You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome back into Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network with Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. And let's welcome on friend of the show from the Die Hard MMA podcast. He is Clint McClain. And, dude, I was looking forward to Connor coming back, and then they told us it was Michael Chandler. And I've even watched a, cu- a couple, like some – a little bit parts of tough i'm not gonna pretend like i've watched a full episode but a little bit of it i ask you are we sure that fight's gonna happen because it sounds like michael chandler isn't i don't think it's happening not even are we sure it's happening but i'm on the other swing of things i'm pretty sure it's not happening i mean i can't believe that connor would go through this whole song and dance of being on the ultimate fighter and then flare out the way he has on this fight. I mean, Chandler is the guy that he kind of handpicked from a mile away as the dude that he can beat. And then something as simple as not getting back in the USADA testing pool to make sure that you're legally able to compete for this fight in the year 2023. I got a feeling this one's going to fall apart, and I think it's going to fall apart quick, man. I'll be honest. The whole Connor situation, he's been spiraling for years now. This is new levels of what are you doing? <laughs> Do you feel like we're going to ever see him, Clint? Like it, we were getting to a point, like how many years are you going to be out of the cage, you know, and, and feel like, you know, you already wasn't fighting well. And now you have the injury, all the outside the cage stuff. Now all this, you know, time away from fighting. Like at what point do you just decide, Hey, you know, n- this isn't going to happen anymore. You know, I think we're getting close to that point. Honestly, Connor is set for life. Dana White's been saying it, you know what, his, the whole time he's been operating the UFC, it's hard to wake up in silk sheets, right? Like he is not nearly as motivated as he was in the past. We can see that that's blatant. It's obvious. Does he get enough motivation to circle back around for one more at some point? I think probably yes, but it's a matter of when he's, been done in the top five for a long time now i don't think he's ever getting anywhere near a title shot the problem is it's conor mcgregor so if he's coming back it's for a contender slot it's for a title shot they might shoehorn him in there for one more at some point but man i i think our our fights are very limited maybe one maybe two and then i think that's the end of mcgregor if i'm being honest i'm with you bt i put the over under at like half of a fight if we're ever going to get another conor and I know it's sobering. It's crazy to think, but I'd probably take the under. We're talking with Clint McClain here from the Die Hard MMA podcast. Just because of what he was talking about, man, that guy's become a complete train wreck. Anyway, on fights that we know are going to happen, for the BMF belt, Dustin or Justin, where's your money going? I actually kind of like DP, man. This is a spot where Dustin has been, you know, we talk about gatekeepers and fighters take that 
term personally because they don't want to be the gatekeepers, you know, but there's different levels of gatekeepers. Dustin is the gatekeeper to the top three. Like you're not challenging for a title unless you get by Dustin Poirier and the way he matches up with Gaethje. We saw it last time. This guy just knows how to survive those early brawly exchanges. And then he makes it a technical brawl, which a lot of people aren't able to keep up with unless you're exposing his grappling later on down the stretch. And I just don't see Justin Gaethje doing that. He's made some adjustments. He's not quite the wild man that he used to be, and that's obviously worked out well for him. As long as Dustin Poirier's durability is intact, and at this point, I have no reason to believe it's not, I think he can weather that early storm and drag the fight into his realm deep again. So I'm kind of saying run it back. I think Dustin Poirier probably gets his hand raised. Uh, do you feel like the winner of the BMF belt um, how how good is their claim at getting a, a chance to fight for the actual lightweight belt? Um, or did Charles Oliveira kind of solidify himself for a rematch with the win over Benny? Like, who do you think is, I guess, either more deserving or more likely to get the next crack at Islam? You know, I think, unfortunately, who's most likely is the winner of the BMF belt, right? I, I think the UFC is kind of positioning themselves to let one of those guys have a crack at the fresh blood that Islam Makachev is asking for, you know, at the top of the division. He already came out, and after Charles won, he's like, nah, no rematches. He doesn't want none from Volk. He doesn't want none from Charles Oliveira. And the UFC is putting the BMF belt on the line. That all smells to me like this says title shot. Personally, I think Charles Oliveira more than earned his rematch with Islam Mahachev. Like that guy has been on top of this division for so long. He's finished everybody. Nobody can hold a candle to him. Islam disappointed in the super fight with Volk, which I think he lost. And then he's done what sense? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I get maybe he needs the motivation of a new opponent. I can understand that from a fighter's perspective, but Charles is the number one guy. They really should give him his rematch in my opinion clint if you were to bet a big chunk of brendan tobin's money who would you put it on to to beat islam because for a long time it looked like he was unbeatable then we saw him against volk me and bt both agree with you we think that volk it was close and we both had money on him so we're a little bit jaded but we sure. think volkanowski won the fight he was a crazy underdog going in is it volk is it like if you could take any of these guys that would take out islam who, who would you take you know, I'll be honest. I think Volk still to this day, I, I made the same bet you guys did. I took a small sprinkle at those long odds. Had I to. thought he won the fight. He's too small. This thing comes to size is there. Weight classes exist for a reason. I think Volkanov, Volkanovsky skill for skill is better than Islam Mahachev. And maybe he can weasel out a decision. But if you're not going to get a split decision at home, where are you going to get that split decision? I, I don't think Volk's the guy. Um, Charles honestly might be, though. You know, he got clipped with a big shot from Islam. If he changes his strategy ever so slightly around, if he game plans a little bit differently, I think he's got all the tools he needs to get his title back from Islam. Um, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, I'll be honest with you. Islam is not Khabib, and that's kind of the big thing, right, is that everyone said he was the future, he's going to reign, he's better than Khabib. I don't think that's true. And Dustin had problems with guys with this style in the past. You, like I mentioned before, you drag him deep, you get him a little tired, you take his back, you tap him out. That's how everybody beats Dustin Poirier. And I think Islam can do that to him relatively easily. Justin Gaethje's kind of the wild card for me because Khabib said that he was the hardest hitter he's ever faced. And I think Dustin actually getting out there, beating up the legs of Islam, that takedown defense, the sprawling brawl, we've seen it do pretty well. Gaethje is maybe a dark horse for being able to pull off the upset, but I think Charles probably has the best shot.
Speaking of uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and his fight coming up uh, rather soon against Yair, uh, we had Max Holloway on a few weeks back, and he, he said, listen, don't sleep on Yair, but it seems like the odds makers are. They don't think that he's got uh, uh, any shot in hell, really, against Volk, and I understand it. I mean, Volk has defended his belt. We saw, we've talked about what he did against Islam. Do you think that Yair's got any shot here? Is there is there any play to put some money on him going into this fight? You know, yeah. Yeah, I kind of do. The one thing we've seen from Yair recently is a real focus on his grappling. You know, his submission game has gotten leaps and bounds better over the course of the last couple of fights. And that's where we have seen in Volkanovsky's couple of spots is he's given up a couple of bad positions. I mean, even against Islam, you know, he got his back taken and, and he was punching from that position, but you don't want someone like Yair Rodriguez on your back. Now, big size difference, obviously big strength difference, obviously can Yair get to that position? I don't know. I think you have to favor Volkanovsky by a wide margin because frankly guys he's a generational talent this guy is far better than anybody ever gave him credit for and until he starts to decline I'm not betting against him so I think there's an argument to be made the odds are a little bit wide but bookmakers have to protect themselves because Volkanovsky is a free square nine times out of ten at this stage of his career talking a little betting and a little fighting with Clint McLean from the diehard MMA podcast here on tapped out the bet QL network we appreciate you checking us out O'Malley versus Aljo. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. I think it was earlier today. Cheeto Vera said that he's not sure if Sean O'Malley has earned the title shot. You can understand that coming from Marlon Vera. That being said, simple question. Do you think Sean O'Malley's overrated? Absolutely. 1,000% Sean O'Malley is overrated. You know, you look at his last couple of fights, and he's been gifted a couple of those decisions. Now, don't get me wrong. The guy is uh, incredibly talented. And honestly, even if he were to have lost a couple of those decisions, um, I think he's proven that he belongs in the top five, right? Like I can't take that away from him, but them basically just putting all their eggs in one basket, gifting this guy an opportunity at the title. He went from Chris Moutinho and Julian Paiva to a no contest. eye poke over Pedro Munoz. After losing the first round, frankly, that should have been a, you know, that no contest. I don't know how they scored a win for him when he's down 0-1 on the judges' scorecards. And then he won a split over Piotr Jan, which is questionable at best. So I don't know how he goes into this spot against Aljamain Sterling with a lot of people expecting him to go ahead and get the win. I, he's got the style that potentially could abuse what Aljamain Sterling is bad at. And I think stylistically, he's got a shot to win this fight. But is he overrated? Absolutely. Guy's a complete hype train, very skilled, very talented, totally top five. But if we're talking top one, top two, top three, I think Henry gives him a hard time. And I think Umar ragdolls him. Clint, uh, coming up uh, at, at UFC 290 with the middleweight division, Robert Whitaker and Drakus Duplessis. Uh, you know, Izzy's already kind of got his uh, his eye on Drakus is like some kind of fresh blood in that. Do you feel like, you know, that he's got any shot to be Robert Whitaker because Robert Whitaker only seems to have one kryptonite and that's the champ. So uh, does, does Drakus have any chance to, to get this win and then probably solidify himself uh, as the number one guy, man, that fight, I've got the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up for that one. For some reason, no, I, I think Whitaker should win this fight everywhere it goes. He's another one of these guys that is just durable beyond belief he can go 15 hard minutes in a brawl in a war he technically just works his way around people he's better than you everywhere you want to take the fight Drykus is an anomaly to me yeah he hits hard yeah he's strong he's opportunity opportunistic with his submissions 
But where's he going to get that on Rob? Is he going to hurt Rob on the feet? I don't think so. Is he going to outpace Rob on the feet? No, probably not. Is he a cleaner striker? No, no, he's not. Like, I don't know what the deal is. For some reason, there's something in my soul that tells me Drakus is going to win that fight. And it doesn't make any sense to me because on paper, Rob is better everywhere. So I got to pick Rob to win. But man, I'm going to be watching that fight so closely. I don't know why. I, I'm kind of drinking the Drakus Kool-Aid. <laughs> We've got a couple of minutes left with Clint McLean from the Die Hard MMA podcast here on Tapped Out. Uh, BT got really upset last week. I ruffled his feathers talking about the face-off between John and Francis and Ganu only because he was like, dude, it's never going to happen. They didn't want each other. They're in separate promotions. That being said, what do you think the odds would look like if they did step into an octagon in like six months? Man, that is such a weird spot, right? Like, I, I got to think that due to public perception and just the well-rounded nature of John Jones' skill set, he's probably a hefty favorite. You know, he's probably a minus 185, a minus 200 favorite in that spot. And people are going to bet John Jones. You know, he's been the best thing ever to step in that octagon his entire career. And now that he's got heavyweight gold wrapped around his waist, Francis has been kind of shunned a little bit by the media, by Dana White. All that is going to take an effect on the betting line and people probably just pile in on John Jones. I'm not sure the champ should be disrespected that badly. I would be on the Francis and Ganu side at plus money myself. Uh, but I think you have to respect the resume of John and make him a, a decent favorite. But are you with me here? Like this is, this is supposed to be the sport where we get where we want, right? Cause I say this is a big <laughs> boxing fan as well. And had known many years of things just getting like teased and never happening. And it's like, I, I go this week, and it's like, I see a face-off that's not going to happen between those two guys. I got Dana White on TMZ this week saying he's going to set up a fight with Mike uh, Zuckerberg oh my God. and Elon Musk. I'm like, I got Elon Musk. I like Musk. I like Isn't that what you really want, though? <laughs> what a tremendous waste of time. Like, we're all, we're all here. Why Why is the the, the biggest promo, mixed martial arts promotion in the world letting their heavyweight champion walk, and we have to have some weird crossover that's never going to happen. Like this, this genuinely pisses me off as a fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Told you.
I, you know what? I get it though. I can absolutely sympathize with you because the UFC went from being, we have the best fighters on the planet and they fight the best fighters on the planet to let's lower our bottom line, shuffle off these guys that are making, you know, 50, 60 K to show. And they're bringing in these contender series guys that frankly need two more years of seasoning before they're UFC ready. Uh, it, the product is absolutely watered down and diminished in the last five years or so. And frankly, I think Francis Ngannou was right to ask for his worth. And you know how that ruffles Dana White's feathers. He doesn't like being told no. He doesn't like not being the one in the driver's seat. So he made an example of him. And Francis is going to go win a couple million bucks for the trouble. So who really won? Who really won in that exchange? I, I think King Francis pulled the right move. He's getting paid. He's now the head of Africa for PFL. Like the guy is doing just fine. I hope we get to see that fight sometime, but I think it was mishandled egregiously and Francis kind of had to do what he had to do and stand on what he believed in and I think it turned out fine for the champ. So I'm I'm happy for Francis, I'm sad for us. I feel like we need to do a whole part 2 here with you man cuz I know you got to get out of here, but I wanted <laughs> to ask you a bunch of stuff like now we're talking about the UFC being watered down. How close are these other leagues to catching up with them? But let's just get out of here with this one. We'll bring you on in a couple of weeks again. Uh, Amanda, the goat retires. We all agree that she's the greatest female fighter of all time. Who do you have behind her? Who's 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 number 2 right now? Uh, for as far as women's MMA goes, you know what? I think it's got to be Joanna. I don't know that there's many people who have as strong a resume as Joanna John Jacek does because she stormed onto the scene, man. She's like a little Anderson Silva, right? Like the grapplers couldn't get her to the floor. The strikers were nowhere near her level. She was vicious. She was mean. She scared the entire division. And how long she reigned up there with an iron fist, she's got to be my pick for number two on the Mount Rushmore of women's MMA. I think Ioana is right behind Amanda Nunez. And you guys know, hey, just anytime we can make it work, uh, happy to come on the show, and I love talking fights. So uh, no problem at all. Hit me up in a couple of weeks, and we'll definitely do it again. <laughs> all right, Clint, take care, bud. We appreciate your time. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yes, sir.